Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you have been and who you become, and that it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. I'm your host, Dave Jorner, and each week I will bring you the best guests, tips, and messages to inspire and help you and me do life even better. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's get started. Hi friends and thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today and it's been a big year for us on the Do Life Better podcast and we've chatted with a lot of very inspiring guests who have shared some incredibly helpful messages and you know this year for me I've learned so much from so many of these guests and I've really tried to start implementing a lot of what they've spoken about and I hope it's been really helpful for you too and I hope in you know whatever you do whatever you've been getting up to this year I hope that you have experienced a lot of wins a lot of positive moments throughout your year or so now given that we're coming towards the end of the year I thought it would be timely for us to revisit some of the most popular and impactful messages as a way to prepare us for Christmas and for the holiday season. So this episode will be a mashup of guests looking at ways in which we can build stronger relationships. After all, this time of year is known to be particularly difficult for people struggling with mental illness and for those in difficult or tricky relationships. It's also a time to focus even more on our loved ones and friends and to really work on enhancing and deepening those relationships. Now, some of these messages coming up, we can never hear enough. And the more we are reminded of who we want and need to be, the difference we want to make and the importance of relationships, the easier it is for us to grow in these really important areas. Before we dive in though, if you have really enjoyed this podcast throughout the year, I'd love it if you could please return the favor with a really quick and simple Christmas present for me, and that is to write a really quick, short review in iTunes and leave a rating. That's it. Just leave a review and a rating. That would mean a lot for me. I know that some of you have been meaning to do this for a while now, and this would be a really perfect way to help me out and also to help get this podcast in front of many more people just like you who could find a lot of benefit from these messages. So if you could jump on there now, leave me a rating and a review, I would absolutely love that. And as always, take a screenshot of this episode, share it out there on Instagram, tag me in at Dave Jorner and at Do Life Better Podcast. It'll be fantastic. By the way, we now have a new Facebook group. It's a closed group and I'd love for you to be part of it, to join the conversation with all of us. So that one is Do Life Better Podcast group. Jump on there. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you for that one as well. Now, coming up in this episode, you will hear from Matt Rogers, who was on the Australian Survivor. He is a dual international for Rugby League and Rugby Union. He is also a co-founder of for ASD Kids and Maxine Out. You'll also hear from Dr. Gary Chapman, who is a New York Times bestselling author, sold over 20 million copies of this book. He has saved and enhanced millions of marriages and relationships all around the world. You'll also hear from Ryan Hassan, who is a co-founder of the Center for Healing, who will give us the challenge for the week. And this was one of the most powerful ones for me during the whole year. Before we do, though, we begin with Dr. John Bulletta, our resident psychologist on the Do Life Better podcast, and we pick up the conversation after he just told us about the habits for living a good, full life. And he just spoken about the acronym PERMA, which stands for Positive Emotions, engagement in activities allowing you to enter into a state of flow, relationships, meaning, sense of accomplishments, and health. We pick up now, just after I had asked him about which one of these habits is the most important. 
Uh, I think if I were to start in one of those five areas or six areas, I would actually say relationships. And I don't know if nice. that's because I'm nice. a super relational guy or whether I'm in... Well, it is your job, I suppose, John, as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is my space. Well, I think because when I look at the research, whether we're talking about well-being, wellness, life satisfaction, um, or even health, you know, health more broadly, mm. what is usually number one or two in all of, on most of those lists, if not all of them, is how critical it is for us to be connected to others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the data will look like something between two and five people, depending on what you're reading, that you need to be checking in with regularly mm-hmm. and who, if they were checking in with you, would mean that you would have a stable base from which to operate. So I think the relationship one, Dave, would be a critical one for me because, and particularly in some of the clinical work that I do, is that when people's relationships are getting a bit shaky or their mental health or physical health is getting a little out of um, out of whack, that they withdraw socially or they might still be at work or school, mm-hmm. but they just don't make themselves available as they did before or need to. So I think that relational bit of where, have, where are the people who care about me? Where are the mm-hmm. people that, that I care about? Where are my colleagues? Where are my family? Where are my neighbours? You know, where are the people at the local coffee shop? All of that piece, I think that because when we experience ourselves in relationships, well, then there's going to be more accomplishment there and that that'll be part of the meaning of my life and that mm-hmm. there will be some positive emotions that will flow on. So even though they are all, all those five or six are separate variables, the, the relationship one can be a nice piece to start with if you're feeling like you're not having the good or full life that you want. Nice one. That's a great reminder for me even. So between two to five people you're saying, connecting regularly with between two to five people. Absolutely. And you know, and what I, when I say connect regularly, it doesn't mean every day having a face-to-face, but yeah. it means that you know, maybe each week there is, there's a Facebook message or a text. Or, and I know a lot of people don't like using phones anymore. It's quite an interesting phenomenon. But you know, you know, am I having a, a beer or a coffee or a um, with somebody once a week or once a month, um, am I sending texts to people just saying, how are you doing? Are you okay? Here's a picture of something. You know, it's that sort of stuff. It's, it's just keeping people in the loop. And, and that can absolutely have a flow on effect like your friends who are, you know, some of whom are, you know, doing really well, um, you know, that they're having an impact on us mm. and you're having an impact on them. So mm. it might be something that, you know, sending them a photo of your son, you know, playing soccer and it's just, hey, you know, look at him in his uniform, you know, or, mm. hey, this is, um, you know, this is something that, um, this is something that I'm building in the backyard. And it's just keeping people in the loop. So mm. social media, for, you know, as, as difficult as it can be sometimes, social media, but there's no, um, is useful, but there's nothing like face to face, you know, sitting opposite each other, eyeballing one another. There's an intimacy and there's an interest and there's an empathy in that space. So, mm. and I've got to say, particularly for guys, because there are, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, girls and, and women do that pretty well. They tend to have more of a collaborative, cooperative nature to them. But for guys, man, it, it's just so important that we, we just pick up the phone and say, how are you doing? Or, hey, do you want to come to the, to the football? Or can you give us a hand doing this? And so even if it's guys working side by side with one another, um, absolutely critical. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good reminder for me, John, because I love spending time with, with my friends, with my mates and so on, and, and I'm a time person, I think, so I love spending a lot of time with my friends, but I'm not the guy to pick up the phone. 
I'm not the one to send the text. You're one of those. I'm one of those. <laughs> um, and my mates out there listening would be nodding their head going, absolutely. So I, that's a great reminder for me. I need to start being more of the one to make that contact, to get out there more. Um, yeah, yeah you, that's a great reminder. Thank yeah. you. You can't, you can't be one of those guys who are like, oh, these people haven't contacted me because you know what they can say. Well, you know, you've got my number. You can be contacted, mm, you know. Mm. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I do a, a range of things professionally and, and, and in the community. And one of the things a, co- a, a friend of mine and I have started uh, recently, well, the last year or so, um, we're a group of guys of a certain age and we meet once every six weeks and we just have pizza and a beer and a chat and um, occasionally we'll do some activities because we realise that with all the busyness of families, the busyness of work, the busyness of everything else, that sometimes we don't do the face-to-face. Mm. So we make it really low-key and it's a group of about 20 to 25. And every six weeks, there's at least 15 to 18 of us wow. who will turn up. No pressure. It's not a group therapy session. <laughs> it's just guys who are looking forward to seeing one another and saying, are you okay? Do you need a hand with something? This is what I've been doing. And it's not egos. It's not boasting about you know the goals you're kicking. It's about just saying, this is where I am. This is working. This is how I'm feeling. And this is what I might do. And can somebody give me a hand if need be? Really low level stuff, but so important in terms of well-being. We come up with this program and our son's name's Max and, and the show's called Maxing Out. And uh, we follow three athletes. And when I say athletes, it's a very loose term because one of them's my wife, who mm-hmm. is far from an athlete. She, uh, you know, TV, media, modeling, you know, and not... I mean, played a little bit of tennis at school, but you know, and not not a, and she probably won't mind me saying this, you know, not not typically like not not an athlete's bone in her body, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Ash Bradnam, far from an athlete, he's a radio DJ from up mm-hmm. in Brisbane. It's the Ash Kipper Mutsi Show on Nova, and one who was an athlete, but certainly not built for this type of sport, um, was a guy named uh, Ben Hannett, mm-hmm. who played for Queensland and Australia and Broncos and North Queensland and so on. So we put them, we, we, I went and met with them. I said, look, this is what I want to do. I want you to do this event. It's an event called Challenge Roth in Germany. It's a full distance triathlon. When I say full distance, that's a 3.8K swim, mm. 180K bike ride, and then a full marathon, 44. Wow. 42.2Ks. And they're all like, oh, really? Like how long have we got to do it? Like a week or? Like, no, no, you've got to do it within 15 hours. But this is, it's, it's a, in, in, there's, 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 there's a couple of brands, Challenge Roth, um, you have to finish it in 15 hours. If you do an yeah. Ironman, you've got 17 hours, mm, but this one mm. is even shorter. Jeez. So anyway, my wife is horrible. Like, she's like, how am I, I can't do this. I need a female in the show. You're, you're it. <laughs> like, she, she's like, oh, okay. So we, we went about sort of producing this show and I, I got to tell you, um, it's, it's now finished um, and it's, it's about to air uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the exact date yet, but it'll be before Christmas on uh, on on Channel Ten, and it is phenomenal. Just to follow these three mm. and their journey to Germany, um, you know they do all their training here on the Gold Coast. It's just an amazing show. I mean, I'm biased because I produced it. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with with my friend Rob, you know Rob Bell, who who's my partner on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we sort of engage with a company from Sydney. Um, RJ Media and they, they came up and they shot it for us and 
we put it all together and oh man, I tell you, it, it was it was completely sponsor funded. So we had to like we were knocking on door, man. I tell you, I, I thought playing footy was hard. Uh, TV production's hard. <laughs> that is hard. Um, but we, you know, eighteen months ago, we come up with this idea and we were scratching our head, thinking, how are we going to get this done um, to have a finished product? Now we've got two one-hour episodes um, to the point where now you know it's been distributed and and we're already already being asked of you know who's going to be in season two and. Wow, you know what? What? What athletes are we going to use? And what do you reckon? Get Steve Willis in there for season two, mate. I'll, I'll give you the exclusive. <laughs> he is our first athlete that's been signed up for next Serious? year. Yep. So, Fantastic. So he's going to be. He's terrified. He's like, mate, how am I going to do this? I'm like, you'll be right. <laughs> we'll, we'll help you. But you know, we don't want people to want to. Like, I mean, we want them to want to do it, but we don't want yes. them to be comfortable about it because it's yeah. not about comfort. Mm. And that's the idea of the show. It's about showing people, hey, you know what? When, when Max was diagnosed, we, we, did, we had no idea of that space, mm. none. And now I just wouldn't change a thing. Um, we want to show people that whether it's your field of play or not, that if you, if, you get, if you put the right people around you, then you can get through anything. You know what I mean? And because there are a lot of people struggling in, in the world. And, and whether it's, you know, they've got a diagnosis of their, their child's autistic or you know, they're, they're, they've, they've got a health issue or, you know, they're, they're going through some struggles in business or, you know, they're having some relationship issues within the home or, you know, anything. Like there are people that can help you with that. Mm. But what the really important thing is is to, to get the help. You know what I mean? That, that, that's really important. And, and hopefully our show shows that because you've got three people who have never done this before in their life. We've got professional coaches to come in and help them. Mm. And, you know, I, I want to give away the story of the show, but you'll see what happens to the person who really listened to the professionals. Mm. And you'll see what happened to the people that didn't. <laughs> yeah. And that is, you know, the message we want to say. Like, there's help out there for anything. Put the right people around you and, and have that end goal in mind and, and, and be clear with it. You know, I mean, be clear with what you want your life to look like. Be clear with what you want your relationships to look like, be clear with what you want your finances to look like, get the right people around you to help you with that stuff and you can move in the right direction. I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, and, and, and I'm doing it constantly, you know, I'm constantly like just right now, you know, I'm in a meeting last week about some stuff with some people that I, I want to get, I want to get right, you know, like, and, and I feel like I'm not getting it right at the moment and I needed to go and find someone who could help me with it, mm. you know, and it, um, it was, it was just a, it's just a real, it's a liberating feeling having someone be able to speak into your life in a certain area where you aren't, you don't have the expertise, but they'll help you sort of break off the shackles and move forward in that direction, in that, in that space. Yeah, it's good fun. You know, I've, I've never felt more alive when I'm, when I'm working to help other people. I mean, it's a cliche, but just, just take your eyes off yourself for a while. Yep. You know, and get it on other people, and you, you'll start to realise how good your life is, and how much other people are struggling at times, and how much good you can do. And it's a, it's a fun ride. Speaking of all that, in terms of the Do Life Better podcast, one thing I love is asking all of our guests what that what Do Life Better means for them, given their current situations and their backgrounds mm. and experiences. So, for you, what does Do Life Better mean? Well, doing life better. You know, you know what? You know when your home is happy, like you're happy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he, if, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if there's something going wrong at home, then, then everything outside of home is just hard, you know? And, and, I, and I feel like for me, you know, I sat with a friend of mine about, you know, 10 years ago and he said to me, and I was, try, I was trying so hard to make it, you know, and you, and, and sometimes at, at, the, at the expense of family, you know, and it's real easy to do because you get caught up in, mm. in I've got to go and achieve this, I've got to do this, and, you know, rah, rah, rah. And he said to me, I'll give you one bit of advice because we're all going out and we're trying so hard to be our best. But he said to me, he goes, save your best for your best. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, don't bring all your crap from outside inside. Nice one. And when you get to your front door, stop for 15 seconds. You're going in to see your best. That's mm. where you need to be your best. Mm. And he goes, and if you get it right there, he goes, everything outside will be tenfold better. Wow. And I thought, man, that's so true because I know when my wife's like, yeah, man, get out there and smash it. You're going to hammer this meeting and you're going to get what you – like you, you walk out like feeling like you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. But if, if you walk out of this house and it's, you know – you're nagging each other about this and that, and you're not doing your bit, and they're not doing their bit, and you just—it's just it's life's yuck. Mm. Like, you know, do life better, get your house in order. Nice one. That's probably the most important thing, you know. Treat your, you know, save your best for your best. That's that's my absolute um, goal. Do I do it right all the time? No, I'm human, you know. But if you've got it in your mind and you're focused on it. You can do it a lot more than when you don't. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a great piece of advice. You know, it was very significant because I knew that there was a pattern to what I was hearing mm-hmm. when couples would sit in my office and one of them would say, I feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other person would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? And I knew there had to be a pattern. And that's why I read through my notes of all those years, asking myself this question. When someone sat in my office and said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? Mm. And their answers in the five categories. And I later call them the five love languages. Mm -hmm. So I started using this concept in my counseling and uh, helping couples understand that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. So if you want them to feel loved, you've got to learn how to express love in their love language. And then I would help couples discover their language. And sometimes they would come back, Dave, in three weeks and say to me, Gary, this is everything. The whole climate's different now between the two of us. Mm. So, you know, that was uh, that was the beginning of the book many, many years ago now. And it's been thrilling to see how this book has helped so many people through the years. Yeah. Well, and there's no particular order to these, but one is words of affirmation. Using words to affirm the other person. You look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you is just using words to affirm the other person. Uh, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can kill people or give them life, 
by the way you talk to them. Mm. And so words of information, you can speak the words, you can write the words, I guess you could sing the words, <laughs> but you're using words to communicate that they are valuable and you really care about them. Mm-hmm. Another love language is acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do, such as cooking a meal, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, washing the car, mowing the grass, changing the baby's diaper. Ooh, big mm. act of service. Yep, that took me a long time to get used to. <laughs> so doing something to serve them. Uh, you know, the, there's an old saying that says, actions speak louder than words. It's true for these people. Mm. Actions do speak louder than words. A third love language is quality time. Giving the person your undivided attention. I do not mean sitting watching television together. Someone else has your attention, the person on the TV. Mm. I'm talking about sitting with the TV off, looking at each other, talking to each other. They have your undivided attention, quality time. You don't have to be sitting. You can be walking down the road, just talking with each other about life or going out to eat, assuming that you talk to each other while you're eating. (laughs) So not any time. And, uh, and then there's uh, gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. My academic background before I studied counseling uh, was anthropology, the study of cultures. And we have never discovered a culture where gift giving is not an expression of love. It's universal to give gifts. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look what they got from me. So for some people, this is their love language. And then number five is physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies. We hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. Long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. And so in a marriage, that would be such things as holding hands, kissing, embracing, the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you can put your hand on their leg, just, just touches. Uh, and so the basic concept is out of the five, each of us has a primary love language. And if you want them to feel loved, you have to learn to speak their love language, not your love language, but their love language. Mm. And if they learn to speak your love language, you both connect emotionally. And you, well, I, I like to picture inside every one of us, there's an emotional love tank. And when you speak the right love language, the love tank is full. But when you don't, the love tank gets empty and you get that feeling, I don't think they love me or I don't think I love them. You know, you kind of lose the emotional touch with each other. What this does is help you connect and stay connected emotionally with the other person. Yeah, I think that we tend to speak our own love language. That is what makes us feel loved is what we by nature do for other people. But for, for about 75% of the people, that's true. But for about 25%, they will speak one love language most predominantly, but want another love language. Sure. And I think, the, I think the reason for this is that perhaps as we were growing up, we were taught to speak that particular language. Like, for example, maybe a father says to a son, always get your mother gifts always get your sister gifts, always get your girlfriend Mm. gifts. 
gifts, give her gifts, give her gifts. So he, he falls in love and he gives her gifts and he gets married and he gives her gifts, not because he wants gifts, but because he was taught to speak that love language. So he, he, he more naturally speaks the gift love language, but maybe what he really wants from others would be words of affirmation or one of the other love languages. Right. So it's, he gives gifts because it's a head knowledge, but yeah. the heart yeah. really wants to speak something else, wants to receive something else. Yeah, absolutely. But for most of us, the language we most often speak is the language we desire. Because in our mind, when we speak that language, we're loving people. And so we're communicating what we really want because we want forgiving. And that's true for most of us. And I like what you're saying too in the book about the three different ways you can work out which love language you are. Obviously, there's the test as well, but there's three other ways. And um, also how you can figure out what your partner or friends and family are as well. I'm really connected with the one about whatever they complain about you not doing the most. <laughs> That's a pretty good indication as to what their love language is. Um, so I'd like you to please talk. Yeah, please tell us about those three different ways you can work it out. Yeah, one of them is to observe your own behavior mm-hmm. or observe their behavior. If you're always giving people encouraging words, then that's probably your love language. If you're always patting people on the back or giving them high fives, probably physical touch is your language. So observe your own behavior and obviously observe the other person's behavior. If they are always giving people words of affirmation, you can pretty well assume that's their love language. And then secondly, you ask, what do I complain about most often? Mm. What do they complain most often? The complaint reveals the love language. For example, If a wife is saying to a husband, we just don't spend any time together anymore. I just feel like we're ships passing in the night. She's complaining about not having quality time with him. Or if he goes on a business trip and comes home and she says, you didn't bring me anything. Mm. (laughs) She's complaining. He didn't give her a gift. Wasn't he thinking about her when he was away? Mm. (laughs) So, Complaint reveals the love language. Your complaint reveals your love language. Their complaint reveals their love language. And then thirdly, what do they request of you most often? If they are most often saying, honey, can we take a walk after dinner tonight? They're asking you for quality time. Or if you get ready to go on a business trip and they say, be sure and bring me a surprise they're asking you for a gift. Yeah, yeah. So what do they request? If you put those three together, uh, pretty you can pretty well figure out your own love language and another person's love language. Here for you, Ryan, what does the idea of do life better, what's that mean for you? I believe it's the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is having more compassion for self and others. So trying to cultivate more compassion in your dealings with yourself and also your dealings with the world. Because I think the more people that we can have who are compassionate, the the better this world's going to be. That's a great one. Thank you. Uh, And actually, is there any questions that I haven't asked you 
Is there anything that you'd like to mention for our listeners? Um, any advice you'd like to give yeah, that well, I haven't asked you yet? Just since we touched on the compassion piece, I can give another little exercise. I call it it's a 24-hour challenge when it comes to cultivating compassion, if if I can drop that. Yeah, would you like that to be the challenge for the week? Yeah, yeah let's do that. Let's do that. Excellent. So this is a challenge for the week. I normally get people just to do it for 24 hours because 24 hours they'll stick mm-hmm. to because people who stick to this and do it for 24 hours will generally want to do it forever. Okay, because this is all about (laughs) cultivating a compassion for other people. So as we go through life, we're like, I like to use the analogy, we're like onions, right? And we've got all these different Mm -hmm. layers. And and the center of our onion is sort of our essence and who we are. And we're very similar, if not the same in that respect. But then every single human being is unique when it comes to the layers of our onion, because those layers are made up of our environment, where we were born, our conditioning, our beliefs, what our relationships were like growing up. So we're all different at that level. That's why two people can uh, perceive things very differently. You can have two people walk into the same room and they can both see very different things because they both have these different layers. Mm -hmm. So understanding that this is a challenge. So for the next 24 hours, everyone that you come in contact with, if it's a friend or family member that you're talking to, whether it's the checkout person at Coles, whether it's a person you just walk past in the street, the idea is to simply just connect with them in the eyes just for a second very quickly and just say to yourself this simple sentence, that is simply me living a different life. That is simply me living a different life. Because when I walk down the street and I can walk past someone who's homeless begging for food on the side of the road and I can look at them and go if I was born into his shoes in his circumstances with his environment his upbringing his parenting and all that then I would undoubtedly be sitting in that same position as him when we can look at people in this way we shift from judgment to compassion when we shift from judgment to compassion our whole world changes So there we go, everyone, and hopefully this served to help remind you of some very important messages that we'd spoken about during the year, and maybe for those of you who've joined us later on, there might be some new ones for you from guests that you haven't heard from yet. So if you haven't heard the entire episode yet, or you want to go back and revisit them, I will leave a link for each episode in the show notes. So again, thank you very much for choosing to spend some time with me today. Please do leave that rating and the review that I know you've been wanting to do for a while now. That would be a great way to help me out and also to get this podcast out in front of many more people just like you. So please do that. That would be fantastic. Take a screenshot, put it out on Instagram, tag me in at Dave Jorner and at Do Love Better Podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and holidays with your friends, your families and your loved ones. So for now, I can't wait to join you again next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. And have you subscribed yet? By subscribing to this podcast, that enables you to get notifications every single time a new episode is released. In your podcast app, you can find all the show notes for every episode. And if you'd like to get in contact, you can do so via email at hello at projecthatch.com.au. That's hello at projecthatch.com.au. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it with someone you think will benefit from these messages, And now it's time to get out there and do life better.